Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, this is Kat Lee, and today we're going to chat with Logan Wolfram about how we can embrace life and live curiously. We'll learn about how we can reignite our faith and rediscover just the wonder of who God is and the infinite possibilities that we have in Him, and how when we lean into our faith, we can inspire our own children's walks with God. But before we jump into our show today with Logan, I want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. Plan to Eat is an online menu planning service, and it makes recipe management, menu planning, and shopping list making an absolute breeze. I have been using them for years and years, and I love it. I can very quickly make my menu plan just by a few drag and drops, and then their service automatically makes my shopping list for me, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You can check out Plan to Eat by going to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and you'll get a free 30-day try. All right, let's jump into our chat today with Logan Wolfram. Hey, Logan, how are you doing today? Hey, how are you, Kat? I'm glad to be here. I am very glad to have you on the podcast today. We are talking about reigniting our faith. And as moms, this is something that is so important because, you know, we're raising the next generation. We're teaching and investing in and modeling our faith for our children. And it's also a season when as moms, we can just feel really stinking dry. (laughs) And it's hard to get up and spend time with Jesus. It's hard to worship at church when you're always worried that they're going to call your little number. Uh, If you're at a church that has a little number system, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I remember those days. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's so hard. And it's life... like you're living in fear, sitting <laughs> in the back row, living in fear. Oh, no, not me. <laughs> and, the, and you see the number goes up and you're like frantically searching. Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> so it can just feel like a mundane season. You know, I remember in Anne of Green Gables, she says when it feels like there's no bend around the corner. And so what I'm hoping that our chat today with Logan is going to do is just reignite your faith and your curiosity about God and enlarge our view of who God is and what he can do in any and every season and stage of our lives. So I hope that's pumped you up for our chat today with Logan. She is one of my favorite people. She is so full of energy and life and vision, and I know you're going to love her. So Logan, um, can you just tell us a little bit about you and your family? Um, Okay. About me and my family. Um, I li- Well, first, I live in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I'm a grit, as some cheesy t-shirts say, girls raised in the South. Um, <laughs> So I have two little boys. Um, Walker is almost 10 and Hudson just turned six. Um, I've been married for almost 13 years. Um, and we have a ginormous dog named Titan who's 175 pounds and eats important packages off <laughs> <of> the doorstep. <laughs> so needless to say, um, 
despite the fact that we have quite a lot of the mundane that you're talking about, um, because we all do, um, I would say, you know, life is consistently an adventure <laughs> around these parts too. So, um, anyway, so that's a little bit about me. I, um, I have a degree in Spanish. I have worked as an interior designer and um, for the last four years have been um, running a Loom Christian Women's Blogging and Social Media Conference. And now I find myself an accidental author. So um, my first book, Curious Faith, Rediscovering Hope in the God of Possibility, um, releases March 1st. So um, yeah, an adventure, I would say. (laughs) Definitely an adventure. You have a lot happening. Um, was it always like that? Have you always, you know, had all sorts of exciting things going? I mean, I know you've traveled, um, for, um, Soul Hope, right? Yeah, I've traveled for Soul Hope. Mm -hmm. I went, um, a few years ago to Bangladesh, um, with Food for the Hungry. I mean, I've always had kind of a passion and an interest for other places and other cultures. Um, like I said, my degree is actually in Spanish. So, um, si quieres hablar en español, podemos. Si quieres zapatos con queso. <laughs> Shoes with cheese. That's sort of in every language, or not every in every language, in various language. I have little phrases that I can say really well. Like um, I always, I always freak people out with this one. Ya um, which means yes, I speak Russian very well. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I, that's the only thing that I can that's say. Like a super daring thing to say, but I think you just told me um, that you. Did I want shoes with cheese? Yes, yes. I, I do actually know a little bit of Spanish, but that is for yeah. some reason just a fun phrase that I... It's because you, you live in Texas, right? That's yes. That's the misconception you yes. live in Texas. Yeah, well, people always assumed that I knew Spanish because I look like I could be Hispanic and I grew up where 99% of people were Hispanic. <laughs> so I just needed to have a little phrase to make people be like, oh, maybe she knows Spanish, but maybe she's yeah. also insane and I don't want to have a conversation like, with her. No, she definitely doesn't. She just told me she was <laughs> Anyway, but um, yeah, so I I traveled in college. I spent a semester abroad. And then when I graduated, I actually spent a summer uh, in Spain with Campus Crusade for Christ. So I've definitely always had like a passion and an interest. Um, And and really just, I mean, a curiosity. I think think my life as a whole is, I'm just a curious person. I'm curious to figure things out. I'm curious to uncover new things. Um, And I think over the years, well, I oddly enough have a relatively high fear of failure. I'm usually more curious about the potential of something than I am Mm -hmm. about failing at it. And so it's kind of this odd sort of relationship. I think that this tension that I hold um, of curiosity with (laughs) fear of failure. So, uh, but I think most people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody wants to necessarily jump into something that they feel like that they might, you know, ruin. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, parenting, I think is a great example of that. I'm sure when, you know, your little guys were little and you're in just the, the midst of the early years of motherhood and you have all this curiosity. You're going to break them. You think you're going to break them. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sure that in the midst of all that, you, you still had who you are. You had that curiosity, the desire to do stuff, but probably in that season, you didn't have the capacity. And I wonder if you ever you know, even though your natural personality is to pursue the curious and to, to want to try new things and see new things, but did you ever feel stuck in the mundane of diapers and not sleeping and all of that? Oh my gosh. I remember when, um, my youngest was, you know, a baby. And so I 
had like an almost four-year-old and a brand new baby. And I remember my husband coming home one day and I was like, I feel like a dairy cow. <laughs> All I've been doing is like nursing and changing diapers. And I mean, it just, there's like this endless cycle of repetition. And especially when they're little, it really is. It's like feeding and pooping and sleeping and rinse and repeat like 75 times a day. And so I think, um, I mean, I remember during that season feeling like, who am I and where did I go? And um, you're just, you feel, I think, almost trapped in the repetition of the necessary, you know, like um, just the things that are required for sustaining life, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and I think, you know, as our kids get older, we find ourselves moving away from that, but there's still, golly day, there's, I mean... I was thinking the other day, no matter what I do, we have laundry every single day. <laughs> no matter what I do, people in my house are hungry repeatedly. During I don't the understand day. this. So, I know. Like, what is going on? I feed you and still you're <laughs> hungry four hours later. Like, I think the reality is, is that no matter where we are um, or what part of the world we live in or whatever, there is this repetition that happens in life that I think can sometimes feel even more crushing than when we're facing hard things sometimes too. So, um, so yeah, I totally, uh, not only remember that, I mean, I feel like it's so much more intense when your kids are really little, but like, I mean, hello, living it now, you know, even in the midst of all these other kind of crazy things that are going on, there's still those things that like you just are having to do every single day. And, um, and I think you can feel some days like you're just drowning in the boredom of repetition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you share in your book a story about kind of the, the moment even when you realized that God was even so much bigger than you thought him to be. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, well, a little bit of backstory for that is um, in the midst of you know, having two kids and a giant dog and all of that. Um, I have lost four babies. Um, two were early miscarriages within the first trimester and two were actually, um, within the second trimester. And so, um, those babies actually died and I ended up having to have DNCs. And I mean, it was just, it's just been kind of a, you know, a rough road with, um, with that for our family. But after I'd lost the very first baby, it was, um, in 2007, um, I was the first person that I knew that had ever lost a baby. I didn't know anyone who had had a miscarriage or um, anything. And I <clears throat> I had been 12 weeks pregnant. And so um, the day that we found out that the baby had died, like the day before, we had bought a minivan. Um, we like had just, I mean, I was, I was 12 weeks pregnant. We went in and the doctor was even going to see if we could find out the gender that day. And um, so I remember coming home, like I had to have a DNC the following week um, because I was so far along. And, um, and I remember coming home and sitting on the sofa and I was really sick after the procedure, just nauseous. And, um, and I was on all this medicine and stuff. And, um, and the day after I had the procedure, I was sitting on the sofa and uh, one of my good girlfriends was eight weeks uh, more pregnant than me at the time. And so she had gone in to have her, um, ultrasound to find out the gender of the baby. And she called me and she said, um, Logan, something's wrong. She said, it's a boy, but something's really, really wrong. We're going to hire a specialist now. So I'm like sitting there in the midst of all of my own 
kind of hardship and brokenness and pain and like trying to make sense of the mess of life. And then my friend calls me and tells me this stuff. And um, and so over the next several months, this was in like November uh, of 2007, um, we were walking with this friend kind of through this season where like they were buying burial clothes and um, stuff because they found out that the baby had a fatal diagnosis. Um, and so we're kind of going through this weird season. And, um, and one night I remember... And and I was wrestling with the Lord. Like, we left our church um, during this time, too. I mean, I just felt like junk. (laughs) I mean, I just, I felt like everything was taken away from me. And and I remember one night, like, cleaning up in the kitchen and just kind of, like, glancing out the window and, like, seeing something that caught my eye. And um, and so I I went over. We had, like, a glass door um, that went out onto our porch. And... um, and so I went and I just kind of leaned against it and it was cold because it was in February. And um, and I looked up and there was a lunar eclipse that night. And and I just remember um, that the the moon looked like a tangerine. I mean, it, I, it's so vivid in my brain. It was three-dimensional looking. I even opened the door and like kind of went out and just sort of stood there like, whoa. Um, and I had the very distinct thought oh my goodness, God just covered the moon. And it was like the Lord said, did you see that? I just covered the moon. How much smaller to heal a baby? How much Mm. smaller to heal your broken heart? And so um, I just, you know, there's moments in your life when you, um, I think we don't all have tons of moments that are like these pivotal kind of situations. And I'm not someone who remembers like tons of dates and, you know, remembers every single thing. But like that one moment, I just remember feeling like the Lord said, you have no idea who I am and what I can do. Um, And you're like totally missing out. So, and I read, I read a quote in the last few years uh, by a guy named Bill Johnson, who, um, if you Google him, the internet has all sorts of interesting things either way to say, but, um, but I read, I read a book called The Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind a few months after that. And it, it really made me begin to see God in some new ways and open up, um, just my capacity to believe the bigness of God. But I read a quote by him not too long ago um, that said that much of what we give God credit for today could be done by the Kiwanis Club. Mm. (laughs) And my my dad has been like in the Kiwanis Club, which is like for people who don't know, like a rotary or, you know, it's like a civic organization. And so, um, and I just think, oh my words, that is so true. Like (laughs) how often do we minimize the capacity of God to civic helpfulness? Um, And I think that when we do that, we lose our curiosity in him. We lose um, our capacity to believe him for bigger things. And we do get stuck in the mundane. Um, We get stuck in patterns of like efficiency and accomplishment and checking things off rather than opening our minds and our hearts to possibility that he could have for us that we haven't dared to think of yet. So, mm-hmm. And I think that process requires a lot of vulnerability on our part to believe God for bigger things than just stuff that the Qantas Club could do, you know, to, to oh, yeah. especially then to verbalize. Because so, so if you don't mind just sharing a little bit more about what happened then with your friend, um, because you had a bold faith. Yeah, I started, um, I don't want to tell the end of the whole story, right, honestly, right. because I, I want to make you have to read the book. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> so, but there's a vulnerability, I think that. But yeah, the, um, I mean, I remember going, um, so when she went to have the baby, is this the part that you're talking about? And I went to the hospital, mm-hmm. that's the section. So, um, I remember going 
um, to the hospital on the night that she went in to have a C-section. <clears throat> and there were tons of people there. I mean, I bet there was 50 people that were there. They even set up, up a whole like separate waiting room for all of us. <clears throat> and, um, and so we were, everyone was kind of in the room and I think everyone just felt so inadequate and so awkward. I mean, what do you do when you're going and there's a fatal diagnosis and, you know, people are wanting to believe that, you know, something good could happen, but really the way everyone's praying is like, they're already resigned to like this baby is dying or is dead, you know? And so this like random group of people like roll up into the hospital and this guy that no one knew was like, Hey, why don't we pray? And I remember like going around the room and I just kept thinking, you are the God who covers moons, how much smaller a baby. And so that's how I prayed. Like I just prayed with this sort of like, you are the God who covers the moon. Um, and, and these people started praying that way. Like these people were praying for like crazy stuff. I mean, stuff that makes you think like you're a lunatic, like that his bones would extend and that what the doctors would see on the ultrasound screen would not be what came out. Like, and so, and I just remember thinking like, yes, like, yes. Since when, um, did the God who parted the Red Sea, uh, become so small that like he couldn't still do these things. And I think that as we've ascribed civic helpfulness to him and as we try to control outcomes in our lives, we forget that um, he is as powerful as he always has been. You know, the Bible says that he is never changing. And I think we forget that um, and we stop asking for those things. Or when things don't go the way that we hope, um, we decide that well, if he could and didn't, then he must not really be able to. And so then it's like we, uh, for lack of a better term, we neuter him of the power uh, because it's not applied in the way that we always believe is what is good for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a friend once who, who shared a story about that, about, you know, believing for something and then not seeing it happen. And I think this is my friend Lexia, if I remember correctly. And she shared a story where she said, you know, like when you save up for a house and you saved all this money and you go and you try to put a contract on a house and for some reason it falls through, you don't just like forget about all that money that you saved. You don't just forget about all that time and investment. You, you've stored it up. You use it for the next house that you go and look for. And so just in the process of faith and believing, you know, when we, have faith for something and we believe for something that, you know, God can do that, do something. It's not about, you know, whether or not that thing happens, but it's about the faith that we store up in the process. And it even doesn't mean, it's not even logical then if you think about it to then just lose that faith because that thing didn't happen, but you store it up, mm-hmm. you built it up, but to then invest it into the next thing that maybe God is calling you to believe for. Cause maybe that other thing wasn't for that season or that time. And for that, that really, that story really stuck with me and struck me as just a different way to respond to disappointments, I think. Yeah. And I think so often, like we, um, we get so fixated on what we think a certain outcome is or should Mm be. Um, And so it's like we put all of our proverbial eggs in that basket, you know? And so when that doesn't happen, it's like, we just think, oh, well, we've come to the end of the road. Um, But I think, you know, sometimes, and I, I really, most of the time, you know, our faith happens in the journey. And I think that the Lord just wants to know, like, will you keep journeying with me, even if we are course correcting, even if we're changing directions? And, you know, I think so often life is more like a rabbit trail, like it's just this little zigzaggy kind of thing. 
Um, and when we're in tune with what the Lord is doing, then we're zigging and zagging. It's when we get so fixated on some end results that I think sometimes that's when we feel so much more lost along the way is because we're fixated on that rather than like holding on to where the Lord is taking us and, um, and course correcting and changing and being open to the fact that the Lord may have something so much better for us. And I believe that he does. Um, but also better doesn't always look tidy, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and I, I think when any of us think about our own lives, some of the lessons that we learn, and I mean, wisdom typically does not come from when everything is like hunky-dory, like peach keen all the time, you know, so like true. wisdom, true wisdom that that you walk in and that, um, like that helps you make good decisions and, and live your life in such a way that it's like enriched. I mean, it usually is hard fought. Um, and so I think that so often we, we want to shelter ourselves from pain in the American culture more than any other place I've ever been. We just want for everything to feel good all the time. Um, but I think that there's so much blessing in learning to kind of power through some of this just like junk of life. Um, and to find beauty in the mundane, find um, beauty in the repetition of even these things that are like paving the way for great things that God has for us that that we have not dared to put our minds on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, I even look at my own life. I even look at the fact that like I have written a book now. That's not something that I ever even had a dream about. Um, it's not something I ever put my mind on. It's just something that like through saying yes to these little things that God had along the way that were seemingly insignificant, you find yourself arrived at these points that you hadn't imagined for yourself. And I think that that is a real beauty when you look back and you see like, oh, I thought I was like speaking Spanish and interior decorating and Mm -hmm. cooking in a restaurant and (laughs) selling radio advertising and like all the random things that I've done. But you see the way that the Lord is training you and preparing you for what he has over the course of time in these seemingly insignificant moments of your daily living that prepare you for what he can have that's beyond what you've imagined for yourself. So how does the mom who is feeling just dry in her faith and is feeling kind of stuck in the mundane, how does she reignite that faith to follow along on those little rabbit trails to believe that maybe there's something around the bend. What what, what does that process look like to to reignite our faith and our curiosity? Well, I think first, Kat, they really need to be inspired to action. (laughs) (laughs) But really, I think, um, well, first of all, I would just say, get in the word, like just straight up, force yourself to do it. Get in the word. I'm doing a great study right now by my friends, um, Rachel Myers and Amanda Williams with She Reads Truth uh, called Open Your Bible and highly recommend it. Um, But just about getting in the word. Why do we get in the word? Who is God to us? What is the word of God to us? And so, um, so I would say, first of all, just get in the word, even if it's five minutes a day, um, because the reality is, is that if we are not expanding our capacity of um, who we think that God is and who he is to us, then we are going to be a whole lot more stuck. Um, we've got to do something to break out of these sort of patterns. And so so that's one thing that I would say that's like, 
you just can't neglect that. And and something else that I've noticed, um, my husband and I were talking about it last night. I made like a new recipe and and I can always tell when my curiosity in areas of my life that I enjoy is waning, then it typically is across the board. So like if I'm not spending good time with the Lord, um, then oftentimes if I'm really honest, I'm probably not like having great um, adventures in the kitchen and I'm not like coming up with creative things to do with my kids. And so I think that when we're stuck um, in our lives, we're actually stuck in multiple areas. And so sometimes I think it takes a little bit of a jump starting um, in one area or another, and it will sort of begin to trickle. So like, <clears throat> I love refinishing furniture and decorating projects and things like that. So um, even just repainting a piece of furniture sometimes can help kickstart that for me. Um, and then it kind of bleeds into other areas. So I think that, you know, to kind of break out of some of those cycles, sometimes we have to ask ourselves like, what are areas that bring us joy? And am I investing in those right now? Um, and then I think that we can begin to see that when we're not, sometimes it, it is bleeding across into other spaces. So um, so get in the Word and, and get curious about who God is and what He has for you and begin to just repeat those promises over yourself. But then also figure out how to break out of a few molds um, that you've allowed yourself to kind of just settle into. Um, that are kind of boring and and think of things that you can do that can be creative. I remember when uh, my oldest was a tiny baby and I was feeling like caught in the endless cycle of, you know, nurse, poop, sleep, whatever. Um, I, I was scrapbooking, which like I totally don't even do now, but I was doing something creative. And when I think about it now, I'm like, oh my words, the days where I had three hours to sit and scrapbook. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was saying like, these are the easy days. I was like, you don't even know. You don't even know. These are the hard days. <laughs> and I look at it now and I'm like, no one was talking back to me. <laughs> no one was talking back. So, you know, I think though, to uncover some of those moments to just kind of revive your soul, you've got to give yourself um, space to like breathe life into yourself. And I think moms are really bad about doing that. Like we almost like, learn how to give so much and we become in certain ways so like selfless that we actually lose ourselves. We are actually without ourself um, in those spaces. And so you have got to create space to like breathe life into your own soul. You know, as you're sharing, it made me think of, you know, what, what do I do? And one very random, very simple thing that I do sometimes when I'm feeling just like things are, are mundane when I'm feeling just kind of overwhelmed and I just need to connect with God. If I'm making a late night run to the grocery stores and think I'll just get in my car and then I'll just drive like far enough that it feels a little crazy. Cause so I live, I live in central Texas. So you can drive like 20 minutes and then be out in the complete country and maybe not even sure exactly what road you're on. And so I'll just do that until I feel kind of, uh, and this might sound kind of weird, almost a little out of my safety zone, a little like, where am I? What if my car broke down out here? And just the process, and then I'll just turn around and come back. But just the process of doing that, of almost breaking the bubble in a sense of what I'm used to, just, you know, I'll I'll notice the stars and I'll roll down the window. You know, just, I feel like it sort of breaks something. And um, I just pray at a different level and a new level. And, you know, it takes maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. I totally agree. I think sometimes like, you know, even just 
finding that flicker of your former self like that you were before you felt like you were giving yourself away to everyone else, you know, like, I mean, sometimes it's um, super spiritual and I have these like great moments with the Lord, but like, let's be honest, sometimes I turn on like some manic Monday and roll down the windows and like jam out, you know, like you just, I think you have to give yourself space to like, just be who you are. Um, and your kids and your family and everyone will be the better for it if we're not trying to squash down like the way that God made us. And we're curious about, okay, Lord, like you made me right here, be these kids, mom for this reason. And, and what am I bringing to the table? Like, what can I do that is, that is specifically me and why you, you put these specific children in my care. And so I think if we lose ourselves, then our children lose a piece of, of what God wants to be a part of their experience too, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, cause God has, he's chosen you for your children and your children for you. And, and so I think that when we can figure out what does it look like to be curious about how God made me and, and who am I right now? And what are things that I enjoy? And, you know, I drag my kids to antique markets all the time and now it's gotten to where, because it's something that I love. Like it's something, um, that me and Joanna Gaines, your neighbor are having common, you know? <laughs> Because um, so, everybody from Waco lives next to Joanna Gaines. Yeah, At least that's what I think the rest of the world seems to think. <laughs> so, like, you're in the same, like, you know, county or whatever. But anyways, but but for real, like, there are things that, like, when when you're passionate about something, like, bring your kids in on it, you know? Um, we're passionate about hospitality. When we're setting up for a party, I have my kids help set up for stuff, you know? For Illum, my son assembled all of the speaker and sponsor gift baskets. Um, and it was something that he loved doing, like, when there are things that we do, I think bringing our kids in on them rather than always trying to like cut them out for the sake of efficiency or whatever. I mean, it's way less efficient to have kids do all of that stuff. Like, let's be honest. So, but still, I think that there's something very life-giving to your family as a whole. And it does break you out of these mundane cycles of efficiency and accomplishment and control um, so that you can begin to see the blessings and the benefits that can come. And I think it can ignite a curiosity in them as well. I shared at a a mom's group last week in Dallas and I had my daughter Anna come with me and she was in charge of setting up a table with the Inspired to Action Planner and she was in charge of like making the table look pretty because that is just completely not in my skill set. And so she she really enjoyed that responsibility and she realized that that's something that she enjoys doing, making something look pretty and presentable. And so it it, it ignited a little something in her as well. Um, so I think when we do that, when we're curious and we allow our kids to be a part of that, it can open up things in their hearts and minds, too. Um, now, before we move on, I really want to talk about the idea of the fact that, you know, it sounds fun and everything to be curious, but there's a lot of um, fear that can come from being yeah. curious because in order to be curious, it means we need to step outside of the box we're in or the box mm-hmm. that we've put God in. Um, and, and I know there's a phrase that you use in your book where it talks about how we exchange curiosity for control. And I think that comes down to the fear element. What do you say when, you know, your curiosity kind of hits that wall and then the fear starts in? I think, um, you know, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And I think that as we expand our capacity for believing that God is who he says he is, um, then we're able to find ourselves resting more and trusting that who God is is good and what he has for us is good. But, you know, I heard, um, I was talking to someone recently, I don't even remember, but we were talking about 
um, fear and worry. And, you know, when we're waiting or we feel like we're trapped in a wilderness and I totally get into all of this in the book, but, um, but what ends up happening, I think, is we are projecting these ideas that we have into a nebulous future. And we're allowing the enemy to define where we think we're headed. Um, and when we operate in fear and when we allow fear to rule our choices and our decision-making, then what we're actually doing is operating in such a way where we have removed God from the future equation. Um, and I think that that is how we get stuck because the enemy wants us to remove God from the future equation so that he can control our present. And so he does that by um, by us falling into the trap of trying to control our present too, you know, by thinking that if we do this and this and this, then it will order the outcome exactly as I want. I will be spared pain. I will be spared heartache. Like in an effort to try to control all of these things, a lot of times we just create like a vacuum for them to happen, I think, more intensely. Um, and so I think so much of um, curiosity is uncovering truth of who God really is so that as we step forward, you know, I, I wrote that it's not so much about where we're going as who we're following. Mm -hmm. And so when you can rest in knowing that God is good, then you can be curious without allowing the fear um, to rule how you follow too. So does that sort of answer a little bit? That totally answered. I felt like you just need to do a mic drop in the middle of that. That was so good except that would then be awkward but you know it, it would it was and so I'm wearing headphones so it would be like <laughs> it'd be like a head yank but yeah. that was yeah that was amazing and I'm I'm sure that everyone else listening is just like okay I need to write that down that was so good so for everybody listening um I think a couple action steps that I would love for you to take once you hit stop on this this um conversation would be just one just get in the word if you haven't been for a while, just dive in, whether it's one verse or two, write it on a note card, stick it on your mirror, get in the word. And the next one would just be to ask God for something big. Ask God, um, not even for like something big tangibly, but just for him to open your heart and mind to what is possible with him and ways that maybe that you're limiting him and, and, and not really dreaming and, and trusting in, in the bigness and goodness of who he is and what he's capable of. Um, and then third, of course, go check out Logan's website. Grab a copy of her book. Um, Logan, where can people find you? Uh, at loganwolfram.com. I have a mouthful of a last name. It's L-O-G-A-N-W-O-L-F-R-A-M.com, Logan Wolfram. And, you know, I want to add one thing to that, that um, I was talking to a friend the other day who's dealing with some really difficult things. And she said, Lord, help my unbelief. And I said, um, you know, sometimes I actually think that we're praying, Lord, help my unbelief when we really need to be praying, Lord, expand my belief. Mm. Because I think, you know, when we pray into the un side of things or or we pray into the hard side of things, then we're not grabbing onto the blessings of the fruit of the Spirit that we are promised in Christ Jesus. And so, so I would just encourage listeners, like, pray, help my belief, expand my belief, expand my capacity for faith, um, not like in the deficiencies that we have, but to add to it. And I think that in His goodness, that that's who God is and what he does is he expands our belief and in doing so expands our curiosity to pursue him um, and to pursue the things that he has um, for us. I have a sports analogy just 
begging yeah, to come you out. Yeah, I know you do. I it's, know about you. And your I'm just going to do it real quick. This, we were at a Baylor basketball game the other day. If any Baylor coaches' wives are listening, I love you. And if you need me to help coach any game, just let me know. Um, so we were at this game and there were two minutes left and we were down by 10 and, and in basketball, when it gets close at the end, you can foul and it kind of slows down the game and it gives you, um, uh, more opportunity to, um, to, to catch up. And so the team just wasn't fouling. And I was like, why are the coaches not having the foul? And it was a big game. It was an important game, but the clock just kept running out. And I was just sitting in the stands and I was like, why? And, and people were starting to leave. And I was like, guys, there's two minutes left. This is college basketball. That's like an eternity. And um, even without fouling, we came back within, I don't remember, remember exactly what the, the score difference was, but we, we cut the lead in half and we were really, really close there in the end. And I just remember as I left thinking, you know, maybe they had great reasons for not fouling or whatever, but I was just like, man, if, if they just believed they would have responded differently and yeah. the team could have come back and, and the game totally could have been won. But the crowd started leaving. They didn't have a belief. And the way that the game was played, they didn't have a belief or they had a specific other plan that I just didn't know about. But, yeah. you know, just for the sake of illustration, the game could have turned out completely differently simply yeah. because of the level of belief they had in what was possible. And and so it's not just about thinking that God is bigger um, and, and just that being some Malala thing, it truly impacts how we respond to each and every situation in our lives. And yeah, I mean, it's just um, powerful to any sports people who actually got that analogy. I totally get it. Okay. I totally get it. <laughs> so I do. I think that when we just expand our belief of who God is and how he is in our lives and in our moments, I think it can help us break out of the mundane cycles. Mm-hmm. It can help us um, move beyond feeling stuck because suddenly, you know, it's, it's like Paul says that all things are possible. Um, and so I think we just forget that, um, because things seem impossible when we are subscribing to a very tidy version of a very controlled zipped up in a Bible cover God, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so I think when we blow the walls off of the box of, of how we have contained him, then we really begin to realize like, oh my words, the uncontainable God cares about me. Uh, the uncontainable God has plans for me. And, and I think that we can open our minds to like, what could this be? Where could we go? Um, and then that feels exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even in the midst of laundry and having to cook dinner over and over and over, because what is God doing with even these things today? What foundation is he laying? What things is he setting up? Um, you know, I, I mean, so much of life is just a grand setup. And I think we have no idea that our dailiness is set up for something so great. So, so. good. So good. Um, so speaking of dailiness, I just um, I want to ask you a quick question because I love to bring just super practical things into the podcast every now and then. What children's books are you reading to your kids with your kids or are they reading? Okay. Well, we read every night. Um, my kids, by the way, are super into audiobooks that we do um, at night after we read, usually from the Lamplighter series. My kids really love. Mm. Um, they're really fantastic. Uh, there's a couple that are like a little scary that they don't like, but there's one called uh, Malcolm and the Missing Prince that they super like. It's it's like a really um, Oh, it sounds like you're watching a movie. What is it? What audio drama? Or dramatic. Yeah, an audio drama. 
That one's really good. And then there's one called Charlie's Choice and Teddy's Button. Those three are my kids' favorites. And so they listen to those over and over. Um, And then also, my son is super into history. So he reads, we homeschooled last year. We're not doing it this year. But um, something called The Story of the World. And we bought the audio CDs. And it is one of the best purchases that I have ever made. Yes. (laughs) We we listened to that in car just yesterday, actually. It's just incredible. I I learn new things all all Mm -hmm. the time. So I feel smart listening to it. I do too. I feel so informed. Um, but anyways, a couple of books that I grabbed um, that I just absolutely love. I love books that are like witty and clever and have meaning and all the things like, you know, there's some books when your kid is like, read me Thomas the Train and you're like, no. Um, but then there's clever books that I love. And so one that I love is called The Day the Crayons Quit by Drew Daywalt and Oliver Jeffers. Um, anything by Drew Daywalt and Oliver Jeffers are amazing. They're hysterical illustrations. They're really clever and funny and witty, and um, they had a new one that came out called The Day the Crayons Came Home, and This Moose Belongs to Me. Like, there's several. So they are some of my most favorite authors and illustrators. And then um, another book that I totally love, I had told Sally Clarkson about this, too. I think I sent it to her. It's called The Big Orange Splot, and it is by Daniel Manus Pinkwater. Daniel Pinkwater, The Big Orange Splot. And it is just like this sweet little book. I don't even remember where we got it. It's a little skinny paperback book. Um, But it is, for me, a curious person. It's just a fabulous book. It's about a man. um, There's a bird that flies over his house and drops a can of orange paint (laughs) on top of his roof. And so he lives on this street where everyone's house is the same. And so he decides, like, out of nowhere that he is going to, like, make his house feel like him. And so rather than just like painting over the big orange spot, he creates this like crazy looking scenario on his house. And then all of the neighbors keep coming like, Mr. Plumbian, you've ruined our street. And one by one, as each neighbor comes and spends the evening talking to him, then the neighbors wake up the next day and each neighbor does their house mm-hmm. as something different. So like, you know, one of them looks like a Greek Coliseum and one of them looks like a ship and, and they're like, you know, my house is me and I am my house. And it's made up of all of my dreams. And I just think um, so much of that is that the Lord doesn't want us trying to live a cookie cutter life like each other. He has these big dreams for us if we're willing to step out and, and to follow them. Awesome. Logan, where can people find your book? It's called Curious Faith, Rediscovering Hope in the God of Possibility. It uh, There's a link on my website, loganwolfram.com. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Walmart, Target.com. All the places. So fun. You, you need to say that that author phrase that you can, oh, available uh, where. Uh, available wherever books are sold. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Logan, thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I just love chatting with you and I love the energy that you bring. And I'm sure that moms everywhere were highly encouraged by listening to you chat today. Thanks so much, Kat. I appreciate you having me. All Good. right. We'll talk okay. to you later. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. 
And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercy.